0: Grace you in peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Our sermon text for our meditation this morning is our gospel lesson recorded for us in the Gospel of St. Matthew, the 11th chapter, beginning at the second verse. I invite you to please rise for the life of our Lord. <clears throat> While John was in prison, he heard about the things Christ was doing. He sent two of his disciples to ask him. Are you the coming one, or should we wait for someone else? Jesus answered them, Go report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the gospel is preached to the poor. Blessed is the one who does not take offense at me. As these two were leaving, Jesus began to talk to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? No, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. So what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and he is much more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Amen, I tell you, among those born of women, there has not appeared anyone greater than John the Baptist, yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Lord, these are your words, and therefore they are your truth. We ask that you'd increase our faith through them. Amen. You may be seated. Dear fellow redeemed, What are your expectations of Christmas this year? Are you expecting it to be a celebration filled with wonder and filled with wonderful memories with family and friends? Well, maybe if we're considering expectations for Christmas and our Christmas celebration this year, we should maybe check those expectations, especially as we maybe consider how our Christmas went last year. Did you get every gift that you wanted? Or did you get something that maybe you could have just bought yourself? And how did things go with the Christmas meal? Did the food out, turn out exactly right? And, and what about that time spent with family and friends? Did you get outside for the snowy football game together? Or the snowman building contest? Or after the Christmas meal, did everyone just sit on their phones Because they were so stuffed, they could hardly do anything. Yes, it so often is that our experience when it comes to our Christmas celebration isn't what we expect. It doesn't match up to what we see on TV or in the movies, or maybe what we remember in our own minds concerning Christmas's past. So what should we do when it comes to those expectations? Should we maybe simply get rid of them all or or lower them so that we're not disappointed this year? Well, as we consider our lesson before us today, God encourages us to set our Christmas expectations straight. To Remember what Christmas is all about. It's not about the gifts that we receive from family members and friends. It's not about filling our photo albums with so many wonderful memories. It's all about the coming of the Messiah and celebrating his birth. So let us set our Christmas expectations straight, our expectations concerning the forerunner of the Messiah, and then also of the Messiah himself. Let us first this morning consider the Messiah's forerunner, John. And so we move to the second half of our text, and we'll we'll cover that first today. We see Jesus there as he's asking the crowds in front of them concerning John, and he asks them, what did they go out to see? Did they go out to see a reed shaken by the wind? Were they going out to see a smooth-talking politician who changes his opinion and his message with the ever-changing winds and, and ideas of the crowd. Did they go out to see a, a king dressed in soft clothing? And certainly none of the above. They went out to see a prophet, didn't they? And John certainly didn't disappoint. He came dressed as one of the prophets of old, like Elijah in animal skins and even a leather belt around his waist. And he came preaching a harsh message of God's judgment and a call to repentance, just as the Old Testament prophets had done as well. And yet, Jesus tells them John was more than a prophet. What did he mean? You know, we we think about the uh, people that lived during Jesus' day in Palestine, the Jews there, and what their experience must have been like. You know, for so many years prior, God's people had enjoyed the privilege of God's prophets being sent to them. We think of prophets like Samuel and Nathan, or Elijah and Elisha, or Isaiah and Jeremiah, all the way down to Malachi. These were men of God who brought God's word to his people. And yet, after Malachi, there was this silence. This deafening silence from God where for 400 years or so, God did not send a prophet among them. And now all of a sudden, God's people get word that there's a prophet in the wilderness. There's one who's speaking like Elijah, one who looks like Elijah. And so they're excited that God has sent his prophets again and God is proclaiming his word among his people. But Jesus says there's more. He said, Among those born of women, there has not appeared anyone greater than John the Baptist. What was so special about John? Well, one thing that was so special about John is that no other Old Testament prophet had had prophecies written about him and of his coming and of his birth. We see that in our lesson for today as Jesus reminds us of that prophecy given through that last prophet Malachi in his third chapter when he writes, Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Yes, John was certainly different in that his birth, his coming was foretold. That's how great of a prophet he was but also something else. What was John sent to do? He was sent to prepare the way of the Lord. John, in many ways, was a signal. He was a signal to God's people, Messiah is coming. Get ready because he's coming soon. Perhaps that special, significant point of John had been overlooked. That not only had God brought his prophet back to his people, but Messiah was coming very soon. At the end of our text for today, though, we find a quite perplexing verse. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he, greater than John. Jesus just said that no one born of woman is greater than John the Baptist, but then he says whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he, greater than John. Now, some scholars have tried to sort this out and try to say that the ones that he must be talking about there are the new testament believers who were able to see with their own eyes the messiah who had come into the world and even read like us later on all the things that the messiah had done how jesus had fulfilled god's word that was foretold concerning him as we ourselves benefit from the new testament and so in some ways we are greater than john but i like luther's explanation better Luther points to this final half verse as messianic, as the one who is considered least in the kingdom, as referring not to us, but to Christ. And the one who comes so lowly and so humble is also the one that John the Baptist even spoke of when he said, the one who comes after me is mightier than I. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. Yet again, that Messiah comes not in the way that any would expect, not even John, so humble, so lowly, and yet he is the one that was foretold. Imagine that you had a friend who told you of this incredible restaurant that had the best food that he had ever tasted, the best seafood, the best pasta, the best steak, you can imagine And you decide that you're gonna go check out this restaurant that your friend has told you about one night and so you get your spouse or a friend and and you decide to type it into your GPS because he gave you the address and so you're driving along and you finally get there and yet you're perplexed when you pull into the parking lot it's a truck stop along the interstate and the only indicator that there might be a restaurant there is a yellow sign with black letters that says food and you wonder how could this possibly be the place? This can't be right. And so you call up your friend, and and you ask him, and you describe where you're at, and he says, no, no, that's the place. Go try it. And you're still a little, you know, perplexed and wondering, this can't be right. So you decide to go inside. And you enter in, and it's a, it's a dingy room, dimly lit, and you sit down at a, a, a torn booth with a well-worn table, and a waitress by the name of Betty comes to take your order. And you ask for the steak, and your friend asks for the pasta. And you're still wondering, this can't be the place. Then the food comes, and you take a first bite. And it's amazing. <laughs> it's so incredible. It's the best food you've ever tasted Yet it's nothing what you would have expected from such a place. You should have trusted your friend all along, right? We think about that in some ways as a picture of the Messiah. That God had foretold all along concerning the Messiah. What he was going to come to do. That he was going to come to heal and to save. And yet the way that he would come was so unexpected. Yet all foretold. That he would come humble and lowly. So it's good for us not only to set our expectations straight when it comes to the forerunner, John, but also our expectations straight when it comes to the Messiah as well. And so we go back to the beginning of our text, and we read there about this truth that John the Baptist is in prison. And we might wonder why is he there? Well, John was that bold prophet of old that spoke the truth and called people to repentance and not just the dregs of society, but even those in great power, rulers like Herod Antipas, who had taken his brother's wife as his own, who had committed adultery and violated rules of consanguinity. And he calls him out for this sin, but as a result, John is thrown into prison. It's at this point that John gets word of Jesus as Jesus is conducting his ministry and yet he has questions. And so he sends these disciples to Jesus to ask, are you the coming one or should you wait for someone else? There are many that have been curious about this and many that have wondered, could John possibly have doubted that Jesus is the Messiah? After all, John was the one who pointed to Jesus and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John can't possibly have doubts. There must be some other explanation. John must be finding a clever way to lead his disciples away from himself and to to point them to Jesus. But is it really out of the question that John could have doubted? After all, think about John he's in prison and think about what John had himself proclaimed about the Messiah last week in our lesson we heard this John said I baptize you with water for repentance but the one who comes after me is mightier than I I will baptize you he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire his winnowing shovel is in his hand he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor He will gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. You know, John, even though he was a fire and brimstone preacher, he seems like a gentle little lamb compared to the Messiah that he had foretold. Certainly John himself probably expected that the Messiah was going to come and he was going to cut down the proud and bring them to judgment. Yet what does he hear about Jesus? That Jesus is out healing people. That Jesus is out not speaking words of condemnation, cutting down the prideful, but he's speaking gentle words, good news of salvation for all. So what's Jesus' response? Well, Jesus has John's disciples look at his own actions and confirm what was recorded Even in the Old Testament, even in our Old Testament lesson for today, from Isaiah Isaiah 35, as Jesus confirms that he was doing exactly what was foretold there, where Isaiah wrote of the Messiah, He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened, and the ears of the deaf will be unplugged. The crippled will leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute will sing for joy. Jesus wanted John's disciples and John himself to see that he was doing exactly what was foretold of him, that he was healing and he was proclaiming a message of salvation. And so even though he wasn't what some expected, he was exactly what God's word had proclaimed. The humble Messiah had come. What are our expectations for Jesus? What about our expectations for ourselves as his followers and his people? Could we at times have doubts like John perhaps had while he was in prison? Do we expect that as God's people that God should get rid of all of our enemies that we have and every enemy that the church has? Do we have the expectation that we, as God's people, as faithful followers, should have an easy existence here in this life, that God should do away with all pain and suffering for us, and are we perhaps perplexed when life doesn't go so easy? Well, it's important for us to have a proper expectation, to return again to God's word, As we think about what Jesus himself said in the chapter prior to this one, You will be hated by all people because of my name, but whoever endures to the end will be saved. Or as Jesus reminds us in John 16, In this world you are going to have trouble, but be courageous, I have overcome the world. You see, Jesus tells us what to expect. To not expect that life is going to be easy for us, but to expect that we are going to be hated by the world and that we're going to have trouble in this life. But take heart that he has overcome the world and that whoever endures to the end will be saved. It really encourages us to set our expectations straight. And what do we see? What do we see of Jesus? Though he doesn't come with great power and might at his first coming, but he comes as a little baby born in a manger, so lowly, so humble, born in a barn, right? He comes, though, to do exactly what he promised. He comes to save. He comes to save also through lowliness as he allows himself to suffer and die on a cross and he does all of these things for us and for our eternal salvation because he knew that only through that, only through his lowliness, only through his suffering and death could we be free from our greatest enemies of all, sin, death, and the devil. And Christ in his humility comes to do what he has promised for us and he assures us even now to set our expectations straight to realize in this world, in this life, we will have trouble, but take heart, he has overcome the world, and he has come to give us something far greater, far greater than the most amazing toy that you can imagine, or a brand new car, or a, a family photo album filled with memories. He's come to set us free from our sin, and to give us the certain hope of everlasting life. So this Christmas, I encourage you to set your expectations straight. Set your Christmas expectations straight, realizing and remembering what it's all about. It's not all about the presents that we receive from family and friends or the memories that we are going to share, but it's all about Christ, the one who comes so humble and lowly. But he comes to give us the greatest gift of all, eternal life. Amen. Invite the congregation to please rise. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, forevermore. Amen.